Welcome back to another episode of the Time My Skates podcast. I'm your host, DG, aka Drunk Gritty. We are joined today by co-hosts Z, Johnny, and Coots. How are you boys doing today? I got a spray tan. Did you? Get <laughs> ready for summer, buddy? I did. Yeah, good. no, I, it's really... Thank you. Do you want, don't I? Can you tell the difference? That's why you look so no. red. I know. It's I, No, no. It's actually like 95% of it looks real good. But like on my hands, on my elbows, and on my knees, it just looks it looks terrible. Did, so you, I pull got a, a, did you pull a wet and just a take blunt. a shower right after? <laughs> no, I didn't. So I was really smart. But like, dude, the, the first time you go to the gym and like sweat, you're just, you have anxiety. Like it's so bad. But anyways, yeah, that's what I did. Anything else important happen this weekend? Uh, St. Paddy's Day. I went 7-1 on beer pong, you know, just nice. owning these kids, showing them what's up. Was it your teenage <laughs> friends? Yeah, you know, but my skiing buddies. I think there was something else that happened this weekend. Anybody I can't else really know? recall. I'm trying to. Hmm. Are we talking about the pit of depression that we've all experienced? Yeah, I, I guess it's been a long weekend, specifically for me. I'm sure. Did you? How much you did you feel drink? the same? How much did you drink on Saturday? Oh, dude! By the time the noise, the oh. The news broke about G. I had to have been at least eight deep and probably had another couple after that. So, I mean, over 10. G was on, on su- suicide watch. Oh, dude. My tweet, I had to delete some tweets the next morning because I was like, this is bad. I got to delete a couple of Dude, tweets. you, were, just, you were so angry when we were texting. Did you lose a few followers? No. I got good interaction on most of the tweets that I put out there, but it was just like, I was like, kill me. Like, I want to die. <laughs> like, this shit sucks. I was pissed at Chuck for a hot second, but that was a little too far. I shouldn't have said that. Um, a lot of other what stuff. Did you but tweet to Chuck, dude. I was just pissed at Chuck at first. Just you know, I was drunk and feeling emotional, and just said some things that I didn't mean. He was yeah, vulnerable, you're guys. Pa- you're be- he was being pouty in the in the group chat. It was yeah. He was he was taking out on us, which well, it's fine, it's- man. We get it. I was going through a range of emotions, so I hope you can all understand. I'm very sorry if I hurt any of your precious feelings. No, good, good, man. Cry. oh i'm i'm feeling good i mean i'm i think it's uh it's a new era fucking you know guy. we'll see where we go with this maybe he comes back too i'm happy either way stop bearing the lead let's get into it yeah oh yeah let's, let's get, get into, into this it. all right so obviously first topic for the night we got claude Giroux traded to the florida panthers uh the full deal was Giroux, bunneman and rubstoff rubstoff I don't know how to say that one. Are you kidding me? It's Rootsoff. Rootsoff, whatever. Whatever. He's no longer on the team. Rootsoff. Yeah, thank God. So we don't have to hear you say him again. Say his first name. Let me get the deal out here, boys. So those three guys, big name, obviously, Claude, Claude, and a fifth round pick to Florida in exchange for Owen Tippett, a 2024 first, which was top 10 protected, which would then become a 2025 first if Florida ended up becoming that bad in a couple of years, which I don't, I don't foresee happening. And then a 2023 third. So I'm going to defer to Coots to start. What are your overall impressions of this deal? I know a lot of people are upset about it, but I, I thought it was actually a decent deal. Would I have rather have gotten an extra guy like Demisenko? Yeah, for sure I would have. But I mean, you got to think Giroud's expiring contract. He's pretty much a rental you know it's kind of a risk uh so i thought the first round pick fourth round pick and then a former top 10 pick 
Um, I, I like it. And I, I think there's some upside to tip it. Yeah, for sure. I think just as Flyers fans and, you know, young Flyers fans all in our mid to late twenties, we are way too close to the situation and biased in that we wanted the world for Drew because he was like our guy this entire time. But when you look at the trade and look at comparables, like it was pretty spot on, like in terms of value. Yeah. I mean, I went through two phases of this trade. Uh, my initial reaction was very upset. I mean, it, it, when you look at it, you like, it sucks because they traded for Sherrod and gave up that 2023 first. I think if that was a 2023 first set of 2024, I'm looking at this a little bit differently. But the no Denisenko, no Samuskevich, um, those two, I, I at least wanted one of them to be a part of the deal. Um, Owen Tippett, he looked great last, or in the first game, rather. Um, so I guess it was a little bit encouraging. But then again, it's only one game. You're not going to get ahead of yourself after that. But, you know, it, it, when when the facts came out a little bit afterwards saying, you know, Giroux kind of only gave Chuck the green light to Florida, it made a little bit more sense. Um uh, at, at the return uh, but that's why you can't have really a high expectation like you said it was a rental he's 34 yes he's still playing at like a semi-elite level yeah I mean it, it just sucks yeah I mean I think when all is said and done I feel like Florida somewhat knew that they were pretty much the option for Drew and we knew for like a couple weeks going into it that we were probably going to be slightly underwhelmed by the offer. So it makes sense what we got in return. And honestly, after taking, you know, a day or two to, to let the trade settle, it's really not like that bad of a deal. In my opinion, we got like a, a decent prospect. He's not like an A plus prospect, but he's pretty good. And like you said, Johnny, he had a great game the other day. So that's, it's a good start. And then, I mean, we got a first, I'm sure the Sherratt deal kind of screwed us a little bit because I'm assuming Chuck wanted that 2023 first, but ultimately you got to settle for 2024 then on top of that the the third in 2023 which i would assume is basically like a second i think that draft's pretty deep so i think chuck did just about as good as he could possibly have done given the circumstances and that being said i mean it's still a draft pick and that is going to be a deep draft in 2023 but it's still a fucking crapshoot there are going to be people who have high picks in that draft and lose out um and the other part of it was that I tried to go back and find a comparable trade where a player, a, a rental got more back and I really couldn't find anything. The The closest thing I yeah. could find, which was even you could argue this player is better or has a higher, um, well, at the time higher ceiling, but, but um, is seen around the league as a better player than Drew. Mark Stone, when he was like 26 or 27, was traded from Ottawa to Vegas and was a rental at that time on an expiring contract and he was traded for... Eric Brandstrom, who was their best defensive prospect, who's been like, okay, on Ottawa, Oscar Lindbergh, and a second round draft pick in 2020. So that's about like the same trade. And then Vegas, was and, 26. And, and Vegas resigned him right yeah. after. So it wasn't just, he was a rental. So when you Drew look at more for that, yeah, basically equivalent or more, I would argue, argue Tippett's probably a better prospect than either of those guys. So and Lindbergh wasn't even a prospect. He was just like a depth forward at the time. So when you compare it that way, like, Chuck did a pretty good job. Like we got a, a high level prospect, which you're saying he's not their A plus prospect, but he was at one point, like he was a top 10 pick. So, you know, give him a little confidence, give him a different role in a different team. Who knows what could happen? Z, did you tweet that out? That's a banger tweet. 
No, but now but I have to. You are stack guy Z. I think yeah, you, you have you have to tweet that out. That that puts uh, things in perspective. Really I think you well should there. hold it until the pod releases, but that's an excellent yeah. stat. Yeah, true. And that's who you You're are. You're really good, Z. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Means a lot coming from you. What the um, hell does that mean? Do we want to get mean? into? No, 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 shut up. What does that mean? Do we, it means a lot coming from you, what man. That that's mean? all it means. Just no, means coming from sarcastic. You. I think you should take that in a good way. Coming from you, that's. All right. I, I guess we that's should a get into. Yeah, you're right. The, yeah, change the song. Yeah, change the subject. <laughs> I think we should get into more of that Anne San Filippo's report on how that deal sort of went down. And basically, what he had heard was that Claude wanted assurances that he would be back on the Flyers as a free agent, you know, as a free agent signing over the summer. What those assurances are, I don't really know. It's not like they could fucking write up paperwork and agree to something because that's fucking tampering. Um, I don't know if he wanted verbal assurances, also like bordering on tampering and also not an assurance if it's just verbal. But, you know, obviously Chuck had his presser denying it. He was asked point blank if that was something that happened, but like he can't say yes on live television because tampering. And Jeru's agent, Pat Brazon, was also asked that, and he also said no. So uh, that's expected that they would both deny those reports, but I don't really – I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about if that was said. If one – and if it was, why would Chuck sh- burn that bridge? Why would he shoot him down immediately and say, no, you're not coming back? Why wouldn't he just be like, hey, like we can't officially agree to that, but we'll see where we're at in the summer, blah, blah, blah. You know, give a little lip service, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the key word you said there, Z, is tampering. I think none of this can actually like physically be factual or else it is tampering and we could end up losing first round picks for the next who knows how many years. Um, I think maybe there's some truth to the fact that Drew wants to come back and he probably voiced that to Chuck, be like, hey, like I, I, I'm going to go win a cup and I'm going to try my heart out to win a cup, but my heart is still somewhat here in Philadelphia and I love this city and I do want to finish my career here. So like, I want this to be an option in the future, but like that being said, none of that can be public knowledge because then it is tampering and it's illegal under the CBA agreement. So I think that report is, I think it's somewhat slightly clickbait, but like there, there probably is some truths hidden in there from what uh, and gathered. Yeah, I agree. I just would find it weird that that Giroux would agree to something like that. Or 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 wait, come back to me. Sorry, I'm 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 I've lost my words here. Well, it was, okay. it, too it many was, thoughts going on. It was clear that like he had a full choice in the matter. Like obviously, like he had to go, but he wanted to stay, right? He wanted to stay and get re-signed. If we were in the playoffs, he'd want to stay. If even though we're not nowhere near the playoffs, he still wants to stay. But, you know, you got to go and get your chance to go in the cup. So, no, yeah, what I was thinking is like, it, it's just seems weird for me to Drew, for Drew to give that ultimatum. Well, if you don't sign me or guarantee to sign me, then I'm not going to Colorado, say, for example, and getting it you guys. Seems so that that yeah, it, just, it seems out of character. It seems weird. So I don't believe it. It just seems out of character. Um, no, Z, coming coming from you, that was a really good thing to say. By the way, that was really yeah. Good. And also, like it could it could could be the agent to GM. Like G wasn't talking directly to Chuck and saying those things either. So who knows what what's getting muddled 
in between, you know, yeah. G and his agent and yeah. Claude. Yeah, I mean, and to kind of like give an altering perspective, kind of from the fan perspective is, well, now we're stuck with this situation where we're between a rock and a hard place to kind of separate our emotions from our brains. And we all know that that seldom works well. So it's like now, we're, I mean, do we even want him back? Do we want to move on from the Giroux era? It's just, I personally can't decide. I, I, I see benefits of both. Um, but ultimately, we don't have to decide. Yeah, luckily we don't have to decide. I think this offseason is going to be a little more chaotic than the last offseason, or at least it better if Chuck wants to keep his job and not have Danny B right next to him. Well, he already is next to him, but in his chair. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to touch on was a lot of people's reaction in Flyers Twitter, which of course is going to be, you know, outrageous, was that, yeah, and an overreaction and – uh, hyperbole was that a lot of them were saying Claude never cared about this team. He doesn't care about the city because if he cared about this team and the fans, he would have, you know, opened up to more teams and yada, yada, yada. We would have got more for him. And then the other side of it is, oh, like Chuck can't make a trade, blah, blah, blah. This guy loses out on everything, yada, yada, yada. He had an obligation to G to trade him where he wanted to go. And Johnny, I'll get to you, but what it comes down to is this, that the NHL is a business and this was a business transaction. Chuck had little to no leverage in the situation. Giroux had all the leverage because he had it in his contract. He had the contractual right to choose which team he wanted to go to. And it's just, it's, it's a business deal. Like the, regardless if you think the Flyers owe him or he owes the Flyers, he was here for eight years and he paid his due by playing hard for this team. The he was Flyers, here more than eight years in the, in the contract. You know what I mean? Sorry. In, in this contract that he signed, he played for eight years and he played hard. And that, that's what the deal was. And the Flyers end of the deal was paying him 8.25 million each of those years. So no one owes one or the other anything, in my opinion, if you look at this from a business perspective, which the NHL is. And if he didn't have a no move clause, they would have traded him off to the highest bidder, whether it be Arizona or Winnipeg or wherever. They wouldn't have respected any of his wishes. Yeah, no, I just wanted to chime I just want DG to weigh in because you could tell his gears were spinning throughout that little little <laughs> soliloquy you just delivered, Z. And I just, I I can't wait for this. I really just want to hear oh, what DG Word of the day. Word a of the solilo- podcast. A soliloquy. Soliloquy okay. is a noun. Soliloquy. It's not a word. I mean, it's not, shut up. <laughs> that would make it a word. No, Johnny, yeah. coming from you, that was great. <laughs> such a dick. all right here we go my opinion so i'm a drew homer i have been a drew I, i've been a drew fan as long as i've been a flyers fan like drew is my era of flyers hockey he is the only era of flyers hockey i've ever known i never got to watch lindros play although i have seen tons of it or video footage of it the guy was incredible but a completely different type of hockey player Obviously, Clark is probably like the bona fide number one flyer ever. In my opinion, Drew is, but that's just because I'm biased and I only got to see Drew play. And I think as decades go by, the skill set of these athletes gets better and better. It's like the Michael Jordan versus LeBron argument. LeBron's definitely the most skilled player to ever play the game, but like, I guess Michael Jordan is the GOAT. But to get back onto Drew, um, I, I don't care 
for these opinions on Flyers Twitter where people are basically like shitting on Giroux and saying he fucked over the Flyers. He could have done better for the Flyers because, I mean, he's given it his always given 110% every single night for this team for 14 to 15 years. He owes us absolutely nothing. It's his decision where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Florida and we should be lucky and happy enough that we were able to get what we got back for him because he owes us nothing. He loves this city. He loves his fan base, but he doesn't owe us more than that. Like there's just, I, I don't know what else to say. Cause like, it just makes no sense to shit on the guy that's given it his all for this team and actually has made this team watchable for the past decade. Plus like without Giroux, this team is awful for the past decade. Like we weren't great for the past decade, but we never, we never gave the team a chance to be great, but Drew was always great. So, I mean, that, that's my whole thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I wrote in my article about Drew when he had like 10 days left in his tenure, like 10 days ago, I, I wrote specifically, he was that like one brick in the foundation that kept the house from like collapsing completely. Like that's the way to like, kind of, I feel like accurately depict his time in Philadelphia. Cause there were some such, there were such bad teams teams in which he had no supporting cast. And you look back to that, like 2016, 2017 team, you know, like the Brandon Manning, the Dale Weiss team. And it's just, man, he'd like, like in, like, cause I think in 2018, he had a top five MVP season. And I think a lot of those guys were still on that team. That was before Kevin Hayes came and all that. So, I mean, if you can deliver like that still, like, I, like, I don't know, like top five MVP in 2012, 2014, 2018, like that's, Keep in mind, in 2018, I'm pretty sure that was after he had that 56-point season and everybody and their mother was shitting on G, putting him down, being like, oh, he's, he's done. Like, he's in the downslope now. Like, he's just going to get worse from here. Then he comes back and does that with fucking nobody to help him out. He puts up 102 points. So, And, yeah, and that was him coming him off Jake the core. Yeah. That was him coming off the core muscle injury, too, where he had a down year. And then even the year after that, which those injuries take a little bit to get get back from we saw the same thing with ghost Hayes seems like he's doing fine with it well he had three in one year so that cancels it out <laughs> yeah three is the magic number uh you guys want to get into the thousand games ceremony at all i thought it was pretty well done by a shitty organization yeah. no definitely no that's that's a good yeah. way of putting it they yeah they outdid themselves i feel like you know it was cool to see uh, a lot of or not a, i don't know if a lot but like a couple of the alumni the definitely the um prominent alumni it's like bobby clark eric lindros come back i thought that was really cool bernie perrant yeah i mean it was it was cool i like how they gave the little silver sticks to gavin and palmer i thought that i was probably one of my favorite parts gavin stole the show for sure i, lo- I loved the team picture at the end too that was pretty emotional i mean it was just it was very much well done and you could tell the whole time he knew that was it <laughs> and it, the look on his face, I think told it all. And it was just cool how much he, he was like in there, like he was in that moment with his son. He was paying atten- more attention to his son than anything else. And I thought that was pretty cool. Ceremony aside, that is the hardest I've seen the team play this year. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. The fans and, were going and, wild. It felt like dude, old it was, times. Yeah, dude, it was, it was like crowd. a movie. I, I think I was the only one in this group of us here that was at the game and like the only thing, the only way I can describe Not a it big is, deal. Yeah, I mean, my daddy has season tickets. My so. daddy, <laughs> nice, page, nice paycheck, DG. My daddy, Papa DG. Yep, exactly. Uh, so like just being there, it was like a movie. You, you really didn't think we were gonna win. We were down four three in the third. 
then we tie it up somehow and they call it back and the fans are pissed off about it. And then somehow out of all the players in the world to make a rush up the ice, Rasmus Ristolainen is just charging up the ice and that leads to it hitting off Hayes, I believe, and going in the back of the net to tie it up. And then we score again like a minute or two later. Faraby uh, really Farabee. stuck in there, dude. All everyone on on uh, Nashville's defense was puck watching Hayes in the corner because we talk can't talk about enough. Hayes can puck handle with the best of them and just play keep away and take everyone's attention. And everybody's back was turned. Goalie, both defensemen, the forward who was supposed to be covering back door, and Faraby snuck in and Hayes saw him and put it right on his stick. That was beautiful. Yeah, that's that's also five by five, Rasmus Ristolan and skating that puck up with authority <laughs> exactly i i just can't believe that it ended like that it's like you can't you can't write this shit like it's unbelievable that this team just like they they were all thinking of g there i think they were all putting everything they could onto that ice and we somehow just came back won the game when we didn't think we were j- just for like the man that's that's been doing that for us for the past decade but instead of him doing it it was the rest of the boys on the team yeah. yeah, no, and you could tell he hated every second of the attention he was getting to us, especially at the end of the game. You could tell he just wanted to do one quick lap and get off, but his teammates were not letting he's, him get off. He's such an introvert. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Real he quick on encore. Like, I don't understand how people are so hard on him also. Like, I mean, you look at every Stanley Cup team. I mean, Kane has his Taze um, and Seabrook and Keith, and then – Crosby has his Malkin, his Latang, his Flurry. His, uh, Flurry. Then, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning roster. I mean, we've, we've had no depth, no goaltending, no defense. Uh, Batman you and see Robin those Kings combo teams at too. all. Kings yeah. teams, every team. I mean, even the Blues. I mean, you have O'Reilly and, and Tarasenko and all those guys. I mean, Shen. man, it's just like, how can you hold this against Fuck Drew off, for having – having Philpilo on the first and second line, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just as one, like that was one thing that was brought up and that I, that I tended to agree with was like, when you look at that, that Shen trade specifically in 2016, 2017, Ron Hexall went backwards. He should have pressed forward. There was yes. guys like Ryan O'Reilly that was available and he just, he wanted to, he was committed to building the future through the draft. And when you do that, that's that can be fine, but when you fail to execute so miserably, when you have that kind of talent on your team, it's it, it's it makes it all the more hard to swallow. Because I, I remember that specific season. That's when you definitely can look back and be like, "That is when when things started to crumble a little bit more than they should have." I mean, yeah. yeah, Hexy hits on all those picks, and we're talking about we're we're talking about a different team right now. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it was a bad move because like, we still don't know how it's going to end up. I mean, Faraby is an absolute stud. We still don't exactly know what frost is. So hopefully within, I don't want to say the next two to three years, but (laughs) we'll really know how well that panned out. But with Giroux, you're right. Like that wasn't the move to make, even if it does pan out, it wasn't the right move at that point in time to get us to. Yes, exactly. It wasn't the right move at that point in time to get us to the level we needed to be at to, you know, give Drew a chance of lifting the cup as the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's not to say that Shen was God either. It's not. It's just, it just told a lot about what direction they were headed in terms of Farabee, great player, 
took him, I think like maybe less than two years to get actually to the NHL from the draft too. But you can, but like from that trade, it took him, it was like the draft after that year. That's one year, two years for him to get there, three years. He's a good player, a contributor, especially during that bubble team. We had that slight hope of a run and then ran into the New York Islanders. Like it's, it's just, it's in the long run. I'm sure it's going to play out, but you didn't have that to mortgage necessarily those years and last thing about jay i just love how it was nine 900 points exactly 1000 games aesthetically pleasing for me someone who has semi yes for a stack guy having just a 0.9 points per game percentage scored pleasing. scored in 90 percent of the games that he played yeah would you have gotten pissed off if you got a point in his last game yeah if it was 901 <laughs> i would have been like oh fuck also read that he was or i believe maybe they said it in the islanders game but He's the only player in NHL history to play exactly 1,000 games with one team. I heard that today during the NHL trade deadline show. That I mean, that's just really cool. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a cool and just thing like, to be able to say. And one more quick thing, just because you mentioned, just because Coots mentioned Kane and all those guys, Giroux literally is only, since he's been in the league with these players, he is only behind Crosby, Ovechkin, and Kane himself. Only three players have more points in the, in the span of Giroux's career than Giroux himself. And he leads everyone in power play points. That is, that honestly is such a, like, it's crazy because we just said about everything that has to do with talent. The best player he's played with, Jake Voracek. Crazy. Before we move on. Not a a slight on Jake too, because he was, he was good, but like. After 2010, but yeah. After 2010 rather. Yes. Go ahead, DG. I want to say something before we move on, but go ahead with what you were going to say. Uh, no, I just kind of wanted to just wrap it back to the uh, thousandth game ceremony. I think one, like, cause I was there. I think one of the greatest parts about that was he did come out. He gave a wave to the fans. Everyone's cheering. He goes back and you think that's the last second you're going to see him in orange and black. And then he just comes back encore, out, baby. does an encore. The place goes fucking wild. There probably wasn't a dry eye in the house at that point. It was just an incredible moment. And I'm, I'm so happy I got to be there for it. Rub it in some more. I just want to make a point about the trade and a lot of people questioning why he wanted to go to Florida rather than Colorado. They were even talking about it at the, you know, intermission on TNT on the Islanders game where they were, most of them were saying, Oh, I would have went to Colorado, blah, blah, blah. Uh, regardless of location, which he probably did want to stay on the East close and closer to family. He's going to be on the first line with Barkov and for in Florida. And he's going to be on their power play. Probably the first power play. It's a top three center in the NHL. Yeah, and he's and he'll maybe be on PK just to take faceoffs and leave the ice. If he was in Colorado, he'd be a third line center or winger and playing PK the entire time, and and on the second power play. So I mean, G's still a really good player. He knows that he's competitive as hell. He wants to be still one of the guys. He doesn't want to be buried in the lineup. He wants to be the reason they win a cup, not yeah. just a, a role player on that team. Exactly. I agree. But uh, let's move on to the other. Flyers trades that happened on trade deadline day. Uh, they only made two other moves at the deadline. They traded Justin Braun to the New York Rangers in exchange for a 2023 third round pick. And they traded Derek Broussard to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for a 2023 fourth. Johnny, we're going to start with you on this one. What are your initial thoughts on these two trades by Chuck? I thought they were good. I mean, like people were mad about the Braun return. It's like, don't get me dude, started. Like he's 35. And the Rangers, and you got a 2023 third. You got a 2020, was it 2023 fourth in the Giroud deal too? 
2020. Yeah, 2023. And uh, what th- was the Giroud deal? Third. A 2023 third. And a 2024 In the first. Giroud deal. Yeah. Okay, that's even better. Because now, with those two trades today, you have two 2023 thirds. You have a 2023 fourth. You can move up into the second round in a very deep draft. And that 2024 first can easily be traded for a higher, like a pick in a different draft or a player. Like, easily, especially yeah. given the fact that, it, I mean, it sucks that it's top 10 protected. But, I mean, he did good trying to or establishing some draft capital in, in a very, very deep draft. I thought he did good for the little he had to kind of trade. When you look at Derek Broussard, um, Justin Braun, I mean, it sucks. Martin Jones wasn't traded. Personally, if you ask me, there wasn't any reason he shouldn't have been traded given, I mean, you didn't really have to wait until today to trade him. You had a bunch of days before that. I figured you find a suitor that needs a, a goalie who, who has been playing pretty well so far. I mean, you know, who has been pre- playing decently well all season. So, I mean, I, I'm a, I like it. I mean, I'm not going to get mad at these returns because they're better than 2024 picks and 2025 picks. So he, he, he nailed it on the right draft and he can easily compound those into moving up in the draft. So that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I, I don't know how you can be mad about getting a third for Braun when we traded for him three years ago for a second and a third. And he's like, given us three good serviceable years. He's done in his job. And then might not agree with you on that one. Yeah. But you think he's Ask like me if I care. He's 35 or whatever he is now. You think he's his his trade value is gonna go up since then, especially now that you know everybody's crazy about fucking money and cap and all that shit. I think it was probably spot on. We talked about our predictions before and we said, Yeah, second would be nice, but he's probably gonna get a third or fourth. Like that's what we yeah. all expected. And then Broussard, whatever, I don't care. Like he was making eight hundred K or whatever, like Cool. On a one-year deal, like on a like, one-year deal, was, we got a. It was our last suit. second signing, and we got a like a fourth-round pick in a deep draft yeah, form. Fourth is a little better than you know fifth, sixth, seventh. Those ones don't matter at all. But and to well, talk yeah, about fourth, to talk about compounding fifth, these so. coming from you, that makes a lot of sense, Johnny. Thanks. <laughs> to talk about <laughs> compounding if you count picks. if you four becomes becomes before five, six, and seven. That's good it. Math. Just makes sense. Like it's good that you said it because it's not wrong, but. DG, please. All right. What I was trying to say is talking about compounding these picks. Do you guys believe that Chuck will use some of these picks that he acquired to then go this summer and get rid of James Van Rienstek? You're saying use these picks to pay a team like Arizona to take JBR's contract? Correct. I don't. I hope he do that. See, the thing is with the ghost trade is that he had multiple years left. James has one year left on his deal. The thing is, and he, if he's put on like the first or second line on the team, like he's probably going to do okay. Like he I had mean, a very the, bad year this year, but the past three years of this deal, he's honestly been serviceable and has done a pretty decent job. It's just been this season where it's noticeable that like he hasn't been that great. So I have a hope with that. And then it's a good point that you bring up. I hope that Chuck uses picks in 2024 or 2025 or even a third in this year because this year's draft isn't impressive at all, according to people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Secondly, you know, I think that that $7 million is worth a ton more than maybe that second or third pick because it opens up, you know, you have guys that may like it's rumored. I don't think there's a shot in hell we get them, but Philip Forsberg. He's available. Johnny Goudreau obviously is always going to be there in the rumors as long as he's a UFA and not signed. 
I mean, that's seven million dollars, man. That's a value. That's valuable, especially with rumors of potentially other people moving too, which we'll get to in a little bit. But you know, I'm that's I'd give up a 2023 third at at most. 2023? <laughs> it's a 2023, 2023, third at most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's at least seven million dollars. No, 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 what what's the deal with in off off season trades? Can you still retain fifty percent, or is that like has to be around trade deadline or whatever? Well, the no, thing you is, you can do it. You only have two slots though per year. Like, so we have one on Giroux. For but the, he's going to be I off the know. books. In the I was about to say I don't know if that cl- it probably clocks out at the end of this year. Yeah, and beginning of this off season it resets. I don't know if someone else is occupying that retained salary because it's not a fifty percent slot. It's just a retained salary slot in any deal. So we we could have traded someone two years like two years ago. They could and still be still on the retained. contract gotcha, for twenty gotcha, gotcha. So okay, we have to so look we prefer to get rid of that whole deal. But if we could retain salary on him, I feel like there'd be a team out there that you wouldn't have to pay. There's definitely teams need to hit the cap floor, like Seattle, Arizona, Buffalo. even though they just picked up the Brian Little contract and stuff. But yeah. yeah. Like there's these teams that stockpiled picks and want to use those picks to try to get better. They need like money to be able to actually do that. And JVR is perfect because he comes off the books in one year. So even at like a three and a half clip, we'd still probably have to move someone like Oscar at 3 million to make yeah. room for it's sad a, to a say, but I feel like Oscar is kind of an odd man out. He doesn't really have a, we just a, have so many wings. Role. Exactly. We have so many wings in the prospect pool that we want to give him a shot. And, you know, now we got Tippett and Frost will probably end up being on this team next year. So like there's only limited space and like, it sucks to say that I feel like Oscar's the odd man out, but it's, it sucks to say, because, you know, when you, when you consider it, like he is like, I, he is a quietly good hockey player. And that kind of sometimes occasionally makes him not noticeable because he does all the quiet things right. Like he's so strong on the boards. He's like he'll give you some gravitational pull below the red lines in the offensive zone. And he's a good two-way forward. He's a good penalty killer and everything like that. Um and it's it's tough to say cuz I think I still think 3 million is just a good value bar. It's just the way the team's shaping up right now. You need goal scorers. But at the same time, I caught my I catch myself thinking you need players like Oscar Lindblom too. So it's it's tough to kind of even think about trading him, just given everything, the emotional connection again, kind of, kind of goes through it, but you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move on to some of the other flyers topics before we get into around the league. Cause I know there's a shit ton of trades that happened at the trade deadline, a lot of big trades. So a couple last flyers topics, first being Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, we signed him to a contract extension 5.1 mil per year for the next five seasons. That's 25.5 million. I'm up in the air on this extension right now. I'm not really sure like how to think of it because like we have to wait until all the other moves are made in the off season to see whether or not this was a good deal right now. I'm like, it's okay. I'm not mad about it. It's a lot less than I thought it was going to be. So that alone, I'm very happy about, but Z, what about you? What are you thinking here? Um, yeah, same same thoughts over here. If it 
you know, hinders us from getting a big ticket player in the off season because we got to pay him 5.5. I'll be very disappointed. Um, or 5.1, but he's a physical player. He, he, we need that. We like that a lot, especially on the back end. and him and Sanheim, like Sanheim has looked really good playing with him. So if he's helping out Sanheim in, in, uh, you know, maybe untangible ways, intangible ways, then like, I think it's fine to do that to keep them together. And you would have to fill that spot anyway. Like we, we don't have a lot of D like that can come up. People are saying Zamula is not ready yet. Obviously York's gonna, you know, fit in to the lineup. Um, Ellis hopefully will be healthy. They finally said today that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Who would have thought that, but um, I'm not really sure. Like, what does this mean for, for our defense and how it's going to shape up in the next five years? And like, what deal is Sanheim going to get now? Like closer to what Provorov's making or. Yeah. I don't I'd, really I'd, know. Say, I'd say that Sanheim is definitely um, going to probably demand closer to what Provorov's making. I'd, I'd probably project him more so as 5.5 to 6 million, especially if he continues to play at the level he's playing at consistently and can do that and like over the span of time until he becomes a free agent again. Uh, I think that's definitely important uh, to consider, but I'm just confused. Like I'm confused at this deal given the direction of the team. Cause I don't know the direction of the team. I don't think anyone does because you, you trade Giroux, you're making all these trades as sellers, which make complete sense. They're one year. So I can't get mad at that, but I don't know, dude. Like, it's just like, I guess it'll make more sense, like you said, Z, at the end um, or after this offseason. But as it stands now, dude, like at 5.1, I'm not mad, but like I'm, I'm just confused. Like, why would you keep around a guy you could have sold at the deadline, you know, with the other guys, but you're choosing to sign him? And like you said, you don't want that to handicap future moves. Like, you're not as liquid now. Yeah, I, I'm happy about having him back. I think him and Sam, Sam I'm are really finding each other. Um, but yeah, like, uh, what, where, what are we doing? Are we going for a partial rebuild? Um, are there plans in the summer to make some moves where we kind of go for um, a playoff run again? Um, I'm kind of excited to see where we go with this. Um, I think some of our young guys are coming up and playing kind of good now too. So maybe we can get a good blend of vets and young guys next year. Who knows? It takes extremely smart <laughs> forethought from a general manager to do like a half rebuild i have no faith i have very I mean, minimal faith I have i've very said it before faith. too I, I am very worried about a frankenstein band-aid on a broken leg rebuild like I, I i would much rather just go full start start with heart as our guy and a few of the other young guys like Farabee and just go from there rather than hang on to old, like you know aging vets and semi stars you know yeah no my emotions with chuck fletcher have been the equivalent of like those of with an ex-girlfriend like oh you start to feel a trap like like oh, i i hated him to start and then you love him after like the off season because he addressed every need we had and then you'd see what he's doing throughout the season you're like what the fuck are you doing and then you're back here a little bit more fate and then you just crash again and now i think is probably the lowest faith i've had in him and it sucks because it's such a pivotal time. And you do have a guy like Danny Breer, who I'm very intrigued to see, who has no general manager experience. So I guess it's fine. I don't know. 
but maybe you just need like a new new face in there. But he's only given a couple years. I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah, Risto was a guy that I thought for sure we could get a, a first four from a team or maybe two hundred percent at retained salary. Yeah, at at full salary too, maybe. So the other side of the coin on that is there's no sort of no trade or no move on this deal. So he is tradable in the future. And there's always a market for a right-handed physical defenseman because he's still only 27. So he's like, you know, in those prime years sort of. So you can maybe make up your mistake down the down the line, but got to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I mean, you're right, see that the no no movement clause is huge for that deal because 5.1 million really isn't that hard of a contract to move. And and just to go off the the direction of this team, like if we were to keep Ristolainen, that somewhat like leans us toward potentially moving another defenseman out of here, that being possibly Ivan Provorov. And there's been a ton of rumors of late about Ivan Provorov having uh, somewhat of a Ben Simmons-esque ego to him. Uh, that's like the best, like, best I can do, like comparison-wise. Like he's not Ben Simmons. He's not, he like, he he's isn't, but like he's kind of acting like it. There, there's been stuff that's been said about. Allegedly. All alleg- alleged. All, all alleged, your honor. Eg- exactly. It is all alleged. So we can't, can't be going and saying this is fact, but like, about like him, like, you know, being a baby about if we took him off the power play, he would like be upset about it. And I mean, I think somebody on Twitter put out a whole thread. Uh, what was it? Flyers puck sauce on Twitter, yep. put out a whole thread about him basically just like saying all these rumors about him. And I'm pretty sure he heard about it and was not happy about it as well. So, I mean, it's a sore subject, but do any of you guys want to take lead here and kind of give some thoughts on this? Because it is, it is a, it is a crazy rumor. First, problematic and slanderous, if not true. <laughs> like it's, that's tough. Like that's supposedly your your number one franchise defenseman, and you know rumors like that. I mean, apparently, if it is true that he's not taking that well, especially if he heard about it, like that's he, he's. Good I don't think gone. anybody would take that. Like, well. <laughs> like he's like, and the fact is magnified. Dude, no one stood up for him. No one ever negated those those alleged rumors. And that makes me nervous a little bit. And I'm just like, I'm like, I thought about it. And I'm like, like you, you heard even like little splurts of like St. Louis being in on him today. Like, I think he's gone this offseason, fellas. Like, I, I truly think so. And then I think of possible teams. I'm like, are we seeing maybe like a hockey trade with with, you know, Nylander and in, in Toronto, that would be really cool. That'd be, I don't know, we probably have to throw in one of those 2023 picks there. But what about Shifley? Shifley Ooh. is also another one. I, I would I love, love him. He's got some. He's got some bite to his game. A little, as Coots referred to him as a little honey badger. But yeah, I mean, it's just like I. But like when I think of where the Flyers, we're going to be underwhelmed with this return, <laughs> and it's just, it's not a good situation to be in. But what is a good situation to be in? We haven't been in a good situation in a while. Yeah, if the return is Nylander or Shifley, uh, we, I don't think we'd be upset at all. And I think if if, Tor- if Toronto has another first-round exit, which is very possible this year, they'll probably be playing either Florida or Tampa Bay. Um, 
Dubis is going to be on the hot seat to get the defense and goaltending figured out because they're paying their forward so much that I could see Nylander being the odd man out to be moved because no one's going to take the Tavares, Marner, or they're not going to trade Matthews contracts. Um, so that would be interesting. They'll definitely be looking for young day. Um, on the other hand, like these rumors had to come from somewhere. I, I don't like talking about how guys act like in the locker room or anything like that. I, what we see is him on like social media with his girlfriend and their dog, but that's like fucking completely fine. It's not like he's doing it while he should be practicing or some shit like that. Like TK is probably playing fucking video games all day. Like people don't get mad I at mean- him for that. Yeah, I mean, you can't question Ivan Provorov, uh, Provorov's work ethic. He hasn't; he's missed a couple games in his whole career because of, because COVID. of COVID, and yeah. and his workout regimen in the off season is literally fucking stupid. So it's Yager esque. It's yeah. like it's incredible. No one can ever question the work ethic of Ivan Provorov, but there's there's something like that's objectively like you can tell he's you know he's struggling a little bit this year and it's in all air and it's on all three zones. It's in his gap control. It's in his, you know, ability to cover the slot ability to win puck battles in defensive zone. And his work on the power play hasn't been impressive either. He, he fumble fucks the puck at the blue line almost every other game. So it's, 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 it's tough. Well, the, the power play thing is one thing. I think he's just not a power play type quarterback defenseman, but I also think he's putting way too much. He might be putting too much pressure on himself to be like the guy and he doesn't really have help. He has had brawn the entire season pretty much. So that could be the reason why his, you know, uh, three, like his defense in the three zones has sort of dipped. But the part about like him being on social media and too much sounds just like an old person thing that came from one of the fucking dinosaurs in the Flyers front office. Like that feels, feels like that to me. The one damning part of the, the report was that he would like, bitch bitch out if he was taken off the power play or, or whatever whatever that actual part was um we saw in the uh in drew's thousandth game they had bobby clark come on for one of the power plays and they started talking about sanheim and 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 he was like oh yeah he's a good forward uh he's a good defenseman but you know he's got to earn that power play time like how has sanheim not earned the power play time yet yeah, that was bad. That was wild. He yeah. was like, Yeah, no, you know, and Bobby Clark was just like, Yeah, you know, he played uh he played the power play in junior, so he sure knows how to run a power play, but he's really got to earn it. It's like, what? What what else does the guy have to do? I mean, he's been like your like a, a catalyst for a lot of good offensively in the past three to four months. When and you see that aggressive and take the pop low. Go ahead. I didn't hear what you said, though. I was just saying how how he also said his play dipped the more he got on the power play, like his, oh, that's what the rest said. of the game dipped. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all all two games, all Ridiculous. one minute and forty five seconds of power play time, his whole game dipped. <laughs> yeah, I if still anything, can't believe it makes it legit. Yeah, Dude, Z, you were talking about what they were saying during G's a thousandth game. I was at the game and I was sitting there with my brother, and I'm looking at the first power play, and it's JVR, Drew, Atkinson. Broussard and Yandel three of those guys don't deserve to be on the power play at all so you're telling me that those guys deserve it over Sanheim one guy one guy is only a power play player of uh, on that two of of those guys Yandel did well Yandel's not a player at all but well I think I no, I think I think DG was referencing Yandel that not deserving to be on the power play JVR literally the only JVR too no well, that's part of it. It's like, one, you want to reward the guys who have been playing well by putting them on the power play and sort of, you know, punish the other guys saying you're not playing well enough by being on there. But then the other part of it is 
if you want to get JVR going, he has to be on the power play because he's not doing anything five on five. So it's a tough situation. He's not doing anything at any time. So yeah. I love JVR too. He's done, he's had some great years here, but it's this year hasn't been that great at all. Last year kind of sucked too. What are you talking about? He had like 50 points last year. He was like one of the him and Faraby were kind of sick together last year. Yeah, but those were like garbage time points. They don't count. The whole season Still. was garbage time. You're garbage yeah. time. Do you guys feel like um like would you guys rather have Sandheim or Provorov? Sandheim. Sandheim. Yeah, and, I and I Sandheim. in my opinion, I think around the league, Provorov is more favorable, not necessarily it being right, but I really feel like you could dangle him and really get a like a, an amazing trade deal, like better than Sandheim. Yeah, but I think his value's down and Sandheim's value is up, which is the it sucks. sucks. Like I wish, well, maybe people look at Provorov for what he was and is, and just like, oh, this is an anomaly. He's on a horrible yeah. team this year, trying holding his stick too tight, and that I kind mean, of I, stuff. I remember watching games in like 2016, and people were saying he's a future Norse, you know, trophy winner. Like, I wonder if people still think that of him. I mean, you never heard that about Sandheim. And people, there there are GMs who will still think like, oh, I can fix him. You know what I mean? If he is broken, I can fix him. It may affect his value a little bit, but he still is, what, only 26, 27? I think he's 24, 25, to be honest. 25, maybe? 96, I think. 95, maybe. Yeah, so he's 25 years old. Did you play against him, Dalt? He's 25. He's lucky we didn't. Anyway, so yeah, this whole thing was interesting to say the least. All this shit about Provorov, like who knows what's going to happen. I kind of tend to agree with Johnny. He may be out the door in the offseason. I'm completely think, okay with that, honestly. No, I think it's a, I think it's like a solidified fact that he's going to be gone this offseason. I, I would bet like actual money on it if that was, if they had a line for it. Well, it sucks because him and his girlfriend just bought a house here. So I don't care. <laughs> I think you can slide into the top four as well like i think like obviously we're not a cup we're not going to be a cup contender next year it might be like a one-year like period where we're like trying to still figure it out add pieces i, I think york could honestly, easily get into the top four yeah no honestly keep saying keep saying i'm risto together york and ellis i would probably prefer to watch than york that would be and, fun 100%. they are both tiny but i'd rather prefer to watch them than uh size doesn't matter than, yeah and, <laughs> That's girlfriend tell you that yeah um <laughs> and then you know you're not gonna put provy on the third line so i think that makes the most sense whereas you get rid of sanheim then you have provy ellis which we still don't really know what that's going to be like and then york and Bristolinen don't really i feel like we don't work that well together so i feel like they haven't they've tried it like yeah worked. but like yeah. then again like such a small sample but, size too but like, also San, sandham and Risto working so well together why would you why would you break you it would not, yeah you should and then and it. then you end up with a ghost situation where he could you didn't know where to put him in the lineup where like on the third line on the third pair he was sort of ineffective playing with hag or Braun, and then you know he couldn't play the top line minutes and he like wasn't good with sam sandheim so you like were shuffling around all over the place where i just want a fucking lineup where barring injuries, the same guys play with the same guys the entire fucking year. That just doesn't f- happen in the in the landscape of today's NHL. Like yeah. they, they change they change but, shit as soon as it's it's like it's a trigger happy panic button that all well, NHL head coaches have, and they try to do it. Um, and sometimes it's smart. They try to do it based off of on the fly matchups because the the opponents are also changing their their forward lines on the fly. So you want to change your defensive pairs based off of who they put together. 
So it makes sense to a degree. Now, Z, I, I want to quickly touch because you mentioned him like in passing, but quickly, Zamula. When are we gonna? <laughs> it's the same. It's like a it's like a Morgan Frost Philip Myers situation for me. It's like a cross between both. It's like he was undrafted. Yeah, he got a lot of hype. He's been off. He hasn't really done anything. But then again, I don't think he's done anything like necessarily wrong that make him noticeable in a bad way when he's up with the team. Like, oh, you might as well get him some minutes, some bottom six or some bottom pair minutes and uh, towards the end of the season. Like, just doesn't make sense to me to keep him down there because I don't think he's going to be that spectacular anyways. You just need him to be that kind of steady solidifier that Justin Braun was for us. That's what I was going to say. He reminded me of Braun in that when you watched the games he played and you didn't really notice him, which is what you want of a you know a defensive style defenseman. You, if you're noticing him, that means he's making mistakes. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that stuff. I'm not, I'm not like a big Zamula guy. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that like stays in our lineup. I don't think he's gonna like be that type of player. But you're right, you got to give him that chance now, or just like cut ties because otherwise you're just wasting your time with him. Wait, I don't think it was this year, but it was a few years ago. Um, he played a few games and he he looked really like smooth, really calm with the puck. Uh, th- this year he looked a little more skittish but i i'm curious to see more of him though i, I kind of did like his game i think he could be a good player i think it was last year when morin and him were both playing towards yeah. the end of the year same time totally with, uh... forgot about sam moran totally forgot yeah he's got some injury problems i think he hurt his knee for like the third time or fourth yeah, remember time. when aunt aunt uh said something about him people were pissed that he said he'd be out like a long term and then he ended up being out yeah, long term. Yeah, Anthony San <laughs> Anthony San Filippo like said like uh, what's it called? Like said that like, like oh really, he was right. <laughs> yeah, like he he'd be out long term. And then Riley Cote went after him saying, uh, he's gonna be back in like a month. And then yeah, it's just it's been a while. Well, guys, we we touched on the you know the big trades the Flyers made and some of the smaller trades they made, but let's you know, let's go around the league because it was trade deadline today, ended at 3 p.m. You know, some trades, some big ones trickled over the uh, deadline time. So we're going we're gonna to go into some of the teams we thought made the biggest uh, acquisitions, biggest splashes, and I'll get your guys' opinions on them. We'll start with uh, Montreal trading Ben Sherratt to Florida in exchange for Ty Smolanic, a 2023 first and a 2022 fourth, and then also, another deal, deal Florida made the other day was Hag for, for a 2022-6 going back to uh, the Sabres. So yeah. those two guys will be playing with G. What do we think? I just, I just want to put it out there for all the fans listening that are wondering why I'm not hosting this segment. It's because before we started recording, the boys were like, you're just going to mess up every single player's name, so maybe we should have Z take the reins on this one. And you did a pretty good job there, Ty Smolanic. That's yeah, how, how are you going to say it? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know Salamich. because you said it correct. So now that's the only thing I can hear in my head. So, but um, to get into the actual trade, uh, I'm pretty sure this trade broke while we were doing our spaces on Wednesday night. And I feel like the aftermath of this Ben Sherratt trade kind of affected our return for Drew. I feel like Chuck probably wanted that 2023 first. And because, you know, uh, Florida, I think overpaid to get Ben Sherratt, but I think he's the player they wanted. So they were okay with that overpayment, but it kind of, you know, had some, uh, 
some ricochet effects towards what what we got back for G. But I think it's a great deal for Montreal, or sorry, Florida. Great deal for Montreal, but good for Florida, especially because of what happened to Ekblad. We're not sure how long he's going to be out. And Hag's a great seventh defenseman, great depth defenseman to have going into the playoffs. Yeah, I know. To touch a little bit on Florida, they're doing and building their defense the same way Montreal did last year. That's just not, I'm not just saying that because they traded for Shrott, but they also traded for Hag. They also have Ekblad and a couple other big boys. They're literally going with size, reach, and angles. And I think that's a, that, that's going to propel them, amongst other things, to um, what's it called? To the further rounds in the playoffs. That's why I have them in my, uh, in my Stanley Cup final. I just wanted to get that in before you boys did because now you're going to steal my pick. Sherrod is a fucking pain in the ass to play against. We saw him in the Oh, series. he's a bastard, and it's awesome. Oh, yeah. The series the Flyers played against Montreal. Like, he will knock you in the fucking mouth into his own goaltender and not give a fuck. Like, he's a bastard. I mean, Carey Price is still out after, like, 10 months, but, you know. But to your point, Z, yes, he, he hits people. He's big, and he takes up a lot of space, strong in the slot. I love it for Florida. Well, we were talking about it on the Twitter spaces that, I mean, they need a defense and, and what better than, than to get two playoff bodies like these guys, some big bodies that aren't afraid to hit with some skill too. I mean, especially Ben, you know, I think they're going to be scary coming up. They might actually give uh, Tampa Bay some competition. It's going to be a fun series. And I'm, I can't wait to watch, you know, Giroux and all these guys play too. I think, I think their speed and their skills is just going to be, a great combo of that with the uh, physicality too. I mean, and also I'll, pro- I'll go for it. I saw I'll probably end up watching the Florida game on Thursday instead of the flyers. I think. Oh yeah. Play. Or go back and forth. I did no, a PSA. Definitely. I'm a Florida Panthers fan now. <laughs> no, to quickly like touch on this. It's <laughs> like, uh, what's it called? Yeah. No, um, no, the Tampa Bay and uh, Florida potential series. Like we all saw that in the playoffs last year, the, uh, the so sunshine good. fuck fest. <laughs> Drew has a chance to be in a series like that again. And that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. And he's not the captain anymore. I, I want full reign. I want, I want Savage Claude back, back from 2012, resurrecting. I want him to give Gavin, Gavin a little show. And talking about that blue line before we move on, you forgot about Radko there. Talk about physicality. They got Sherat, Radko, Ekblad. And uh, I mean, I never really thought Hey was a big hitter. He got uh, somehow got a ton of hits, but they were never really like explosive hits. Just little hits. I mean, in the he led the. I'm pretty like sure he he led the league in his. Yeah, but like you like, couldn't. He was not like he was laying dudes out. It, they were all like little hits in the corner and shit like that. Yeah. That's all. He's also a big shot Fair blocker point. as well. Yeah, shot blocker. He was very good at doing that. So you'll see him on the PK and you know the bottom pair probably. I think it's a little crazy how you you picked Florida, Johnny, to be in the Stanley Cup. It's not like every single other person here wants Florida in the Cup or anything. But it's not like they're number one in the NHL right now. No, I said it because I said it first because I now I can. You can say you that you copying. were the first. I was yeah, the first. You can one, say exactly. we stole it. That's fair. I did a creative because I know. Look at the look in Coots' eye. Like he he was looking at at Florida, and now he's scrambling. He's looking looking at looking <laughs> elsewhere. Got to change his bracket to make sure he wins the the. Uh, the tourney. He's looking nah, at. He's I, looking at. I, I said they weren't winning the cup. I said either Tampa Bay or Colorado. It's Colorado's year. We're gonna have a good uh, matchup here. Well, speaking what, of Tampa Bay, Chicago traded uh, Brandon Hagel and two fourth round picks in twenty two and twenty four 
to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for two conditional first round picks, 2023 and 2024, and uh, two forwards, Boris Kachuk and T- Taylor Radish. They also ended up getting uh, Nick Paul from Ottawa too. So Lightning making moves, they uh, traded away two younger forwards who probably weren't really going to factor into their lineup. And those guys can go get a ton of minutes in Chicago. And uh, this was a big one. Everyone's surprised getting two firsts and two young players for Brandon Hagel. He is on a, I think it's a $1.5 million deal, deal for the next two years. Yeah, that's a, that's important yeah. when you're dealing with the Lightning in their yeah. cap situation. They're trying to grab as many cups as they can before this this cap situation and no prospect pool deteriorates the team. It's a great They're doing a pretty good now. job. They're doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I mean Hagel, he's sort of like that. Uh, he's he's that that Coleman acquisition that they made the one deadline. Like he's going to be a good player on their third line. I saw a graphic, yeah, actually, speaking of Coleman, I saw a graphic that Tampa Bay put out. Uh, they basically just copy and pasted Nick Paul's face over Coleman. And I think Coleman. He's like, I know that body. It. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, I thought that was hilarious. I can just see Hagel being that new, like Tyler Johnson kind of player, that new mm-hmm. Braden Point. I'm not going to say as skilled as Braden Point, but just that young guy who just you know, has like 40, 50 points a year before they got to Tampa Bay, but then all of a sudden will be like a 70 to 90 point score. I can totally see that happening. I can I see mean, they have one, so one, of guys. Their, one of the guys who goes off in the playoffs. For yeah, them. that too. There's the type of guys you need to go off in the playoffs. Those are the guys that win you Stanley Cups. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So uh, we'll move on. Seattle traded Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a 2022 second a 2022 third and a 2024 third. So Maple Leafs given up a few of their later round picks for Giordano. They needed the defense. Uh, I mean, this guy, he's an older player. He won, I believe he won the Norris. Was it two years ago? And uh, Blackwell's a decent, you know, I mean, he, he might be. In it's the a cocksucker. Yeah. He was on the Rangers a couple of years ago and was a pain in the dick, but he'll, he'll you know, maybe factor into the fourth line. He's a he's a little honey badger. He's one of those, mm-hmm. for sure. This Wait, is like, I think like, we need a honey like a badger list from Coots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's one of them. I mean, he's not like a tough guy, but he's in your grill. He's everywhere on the ice. He just is like a little water bug, little honey badger, always battling. Honey badger um, of the I, month. I, it's honey it's, a, it's a good pickup. It's a good pickup. Put him on the third line, third line center, maybe even fourth line. It's like it's this was like a pretty entertaining trade deadline my opinion people were like hating on it earlier but i just i like it because all the teams in contention they all made moves to get better and i think that's gonna make these playoffs like a lot more fun yeah i mean you saw the moves tampa and florida was making and you and you know the pressure was on dubis and in toronto to get something done i still don't think they did enough definitely not goaltending dude that makes a break and they waved they waved Mrazek who's been terrible but they waved (laughs) Mrazek probably to make some room for some of the contracts they got they have that new guy now the the rookie the rookie that got a shutout and I forget his name but he got a shutout in his first game I think he's on a little two to three game heater if I recall so he might be their saving grace he might be the he might be the Jordan Bennington of uh, Toronto I feel like Toronto not snagging a goalie makes 
us not trading Martin Jones to them, like just seemed weird. Like, why would they not come out and, you know, snag Martin Jones? I mean, maybe they, that wasn't who they're interested in, interested in. I think there were reports that they might've been interested in Mark Andre Fleury, but things fell through obviously. And Fleury is now a, on the Minnesota wild, which huge pickup, but yeah. Yeah. And I also read they sure had interest in, uh, in James Reimer having a reunion with him. He's out in San Jose, but that, that'd be like similar to a Jones Jones type deal. Um, yeah. I just, I easily see them making another first round exit. Not to their fault. It's just everyone is everyone around them. So competitive this year, the East is a real shit show this year. What's it lining up to be? I think it's going to be Tampa versus them in the first round. I yeah. Think. Which is like, huh, good screwed. luck. Yeah. Uh, moving on Anaheim traded Hampus Lindholm to Boston. This was a big one for a 2022 Ugh. first, a 2023 second, a 2024 second Euro Vakaninen and John Moore ducks retained 50%. And then Lindholm was extended by the Bruins for 6.5 million AAV across eight years. Dude, over there, I, this one I hurts. hate this, dude. It's because that McAvoy Lindholm pair is going to be together for eight fucking years. And I love Charlie McAvoy. He's the only thing I like about Boston. But this trade makes them, like, it's such a good trade. And then they get the extension with it. Like, it's just, Boston is that team that always snags a guy at the trade deadline. Last time it was Taylor Hall. And it just ends up, they, they just drink the fountain of youth. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the recipe either because they trade all their young guys. You know, Joe Thornton, Phil Kessel. I think uh, they still like, got holes Dougie on ha- that team. Doug, Dougie Hamilton. Like it's just it's crazy how they trade their young talent, but they get like actually like NHL talent that helps them just keep winning, and that NHL talent like just spans over the over the next like five years, and it's crazy. They just have the winning formula, and they're my they're my least favorite team in all the NHL, and just makes me so so mad. To what DG just said, like yeah, there I can see them winning a round. I don't think they're gonna go deep. No, but then but it's still like a good sign and a half even past this season. I mean. Oh yeah, it's good. Know, it's good. For it it. They need favorable. to do something. Yeah, they need to do something for their D. Since losing Chara, they, you know, who they have, they have McAvoy and uh, Carlo right as their top two. I don't know if they're playing so. on the same line, but still, they were just sort of mixing people in there. Mike Riley. Um, so they needed a you know a solid first pair to to match with McAvoy, and they got it. They did give up a ton. Um, good on Anaheim. Because Anaheim, Anaheim made a made a few moves. We're not we we're not mentioning all of them, but they they've been piling up a lot of picks. That man, I think they're is good too. Dude, they're making a good run at a rebuild here. I think they're going to be really good in a, in a few years once some of these picks start playing in the NHL. And they're still somewhat competitive this year. I think they're not even like crazy out of a spot. I don't think they'll make it, but yeah, but maybe to their own detriment there, huh? They, like they don't want to get like in that middle ground, right? They did like the reverse flyers. They saw that they weren't going to make a run. Maybe like they'd be a borderline playoff team and they just were like, you know what? Let's get some more picks. And and they already have that young core over there with Zegras and Milano and Terry and all those guys. I mean Drysdale. Drysdale, yeah. They still got I mean, John Gibson that, who's still dirty. That other yeah. guy they just drafted who's who's nasty in World Juniors, Canadian guy. I think it's I think I forget. It's not Radish. No. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, Anaheim's seven points out. I mean, they're not going to make it, but they're. They, it's not like they were fucking we're, horrible this year. Yeah, but where if that was the Flyers, it was. It would be like we would be buyers at that seven points. <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> I mean, that's true. That's so also I like the market that we're in. 
we're in a market where we always need to be competing, which sucks sometimes, but at the same time, marquee players still want to come to Philadelphia just because of, you know, the type of city we are. Mason McTavish third overall. Yeah. yeah. Good good call. Good call. Yeah. Dude, that's the kid I wanted. Nasty. I wanted to get him before we traded for Risto. I think it was, but like he got, he got picked really early. So I was, Bummed on that. Was he, they got was Jacob Perot too. Was, he was the last that the York? Was that the York uh, draft? It might have been the York one. No, McTavish got drafted last year. Okay, twenty twenty one. Okay, he was third one of the guys. Third I was overall, like, though. I know. I think he was projected to go like nine, ten area. So I was kind of hoping had that he had, yeah, that we had a chance. But obviously, Anaheim saw a lot in him and picked him early. Yeah, yeah speak- Jacob Perot too, who was also good for that uh, Canadian World Junior team. Johnny uh, foreshadowed it earlier, but Anaheim also traded Josh Manson to the Colorado Avalanche for Drew Hellison and the 2023 second. Uh, he's one of the guys we mentioned as possibly being part of a Giroux deal. Um, defenseman, he played with York and uh, the U.S. development team. I c- could see him just wanting out of Colorado because they have such a big backlog on defense there. I could see him maybe not wanting or, you know, not fitting into that lineup as soon as he would want to. So another good deal for Anaheim though. Yeah, dude, like that, uh, I'd say a good, a better deal for Colorado. They just got a, a playoff caliber defenseman, a tough bastard. He's going to get, he's going to play. I think, I don't know how they're going to deploy him, but he can definitely play top four. I wanted the flyers to get him for the longest time. He is definitely a guy you want to have for, for a seven game series, like for a deep playoff run. I think that's a great deal for Colorado. Works works out for both teams. The way I heard Manson was described was like wrist aligning, but good at analytics. Having good analytics. <laughs> That's a great way of putting. But what does that even mean? I don't He's know. an analytics darling. He's a play yeah. driver. That's his also expected goals. His expected goals. When you're looking at paper, he's a good hockey player. That's all it means. And it's, all, it's just how I heard it described. Not that I uh, would describe him that way. But you guys have any thoughts on that trade? I mean, both teams sort of, you know, getting. I think it's a win. Getting better. Yeah. A big one. Chicago traded Mark Andre Fleury to Minnesota Wild for a conditional second. I didn't Huge think Fleury was going to get moved. Um, I, th- I didn't thought think so either. I thought he had to, but like, you know, there were early reports that Washington was checking him out. They're not really happy with their goaltending, and they really didn't do much around the, at the deadline. And a lot of teams in the East got better and they sort of stayed stagnant. Um, but, Flurry, I heard Knicks that didn't want to go to the Caps, and he ends up reuniting with Bill Guerin, who was, uh, I believe, AGM in Pittsburgh when they won in two thousand nine. He played with Bill Guerin too. Oh, sorry, he, they played together. Was it? Was he on? Was Guerin on that team? Yeah, yeah two thousand okay. six, probably the first cup. I think it was no, 08, the, 09. 09, 09 was the first cup. Was Guerin on the team that late? Oh yeah, because he he I remember Guerin. He was Garen, old, uh, playing against the Flyers in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight around there so that makes a lot of sense then he was, he, was, he was agm after that right with pittsburgh too yeah exactly okay that's but why yeah, i got no, confused no, but anyway dude, so they have some history chicago's huge for minnesota a shit show dude chicago's I, a shit show i think that's a good play i mean anytime you have cam talbot as your starting goalie i mean it's a little sketchy i would say so it's always good to have a playoff caliber guy that. veteran like flurry come in there mix it up give a little healthy competition and kakanen's pretty good too they ended so. up trading Kakanen. So, oh, yeah. did they trade him? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they trade him on the flip side. We don't have it in the outline here, but yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, people Minus forget Mark Andre Fleury was. How the winner. where Kakanen went to? Is he? Because 
I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. I, don't remember. I, was asking you. I honestly <laughs> don't remember. Um, but people forget that Mark Andre Fleury was the Vesna winner last year. Like he is still a very, very good goaltender, especially in the playoffs. We saw the Wild uh, in Philly a few weeks ago, and we saw how shaky Talbot was. The Flyers were giving him a little trouble. We know that team can score with the best of them, but the goaltending was their one big issue. And they Minnesota didn't make a ton of moves, but that was the big one, and I think they they really needed it. Yeah, dude, that, the Kaprizov and Flurry content is gonna be insane. I am so excited. Oh, Coots, I know you're a big content guy. So I know you're, real, you're you're shining right now. Oh, sorry, I totally totally missed what you said. I was looking <laughs> at the Kakinen trade. Oh, yeah, I was gonna read it out to you. It was Ka- yeah, you Kakinen it. and a 2022 fifth round pick uh, to the Sharks for left shot defenseman Jacob Middleton, who was also on a lot of teams' radars. Big boy, tough guy. Defenseman. He just fought um, McDermott too. So playoff bodies, that's what you need. I believe he's I'm only 26 Middleton. to Middleton. Oh, yeah. 6'3", so. 215 or something like that. Yeah, it'll be big boy third pair. Big I, boy. I like that deal a lot for Minnesota. I just think like it was the biggest need I think they had. I I feel like they probably didn't do enough as like some of the other teams in the West did, like Colorado getting Manson and stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like when the Wild and Avs eventually play each other, it's going to be a hell of a series, but – Flurry edition is good. I just don't. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them. My only thing to get to the dance. My only thing is like Hackenden was twenty five. I guess there's more value to get Middleton rather than trading Talbot. But, but yeah, they're going to have some goalie issues probably in the future. I think with Parise and uh, Suter, their buyouts, Minnesota's really fucked uh, the next couple of years. I'm pretty sure a ton of their cap is going to be going to those buyout deals. So they had to do something now. And that meant mortgaging a good young goaltender for the guy that won the Vesna last year. So it was definitely a good trade for yeah. them. Yeah. And this is the last year of Fleury's deal. So who knows if, if he hits it off and wants to come back on a team friendly deal with them next year. Uh, that's probably what they're betting on because then I'm not really sure where they're going from a goaltending perspective after that. Um, it's going to be really tough to get out of the West with Colorado and Calgary. Um, and the wild are a younger team. So we'll see how Dude, that all I'm, shakes out. I'm like, I'm personally very, very anxious and excited to see what happens. Like I just said, like with Chicago, because so we see Patrick Kane get moved. If he goes to the Rangers, I'm going to literally jump out my window, but like to see a Me guy too. like that get moved, you heard like Taves had a quote a few days ago saying, no one's safe right now because they just traded Hagel. Seems like anyone they get that gets going, they just trade them right away. I mean, they have they have some pieces. They have Kubalik, Taves, Kane, Debrinket, Debrinket. I mean, it's Seth Jones paying nine and a half million or whatever yeah, it is. Seth, dude, that deal is so that would be hilarious. Hilarious if they trade everyone but Jones and Jones. Well, just sitting there in the middle the report of the, field. the report I heard was if Kane gets traded, if Kane's out, so is Debrinket, and vice versa. Provorov for Debrinkit. <laughs> dude, I would do I would, that in ooh, six seconds. Cream my I, wouldn't pants, e- dude. I wouldn't even blink. That's an easiest deal. I don't think they'd even do that. I don't know. All right, one let's for move onesie? on, boys. One for onesie. The, uh, the, we should have included this with our Anaheim deals up above, but Ricard Raquel to the Pittsburgh Penguins for uh, Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, Kale Klang, and a 2022 second. This is a Penguins trade, not an Anaheim trade, so it's okay. This sucks. I I hated seeing this tweet today from Friedman or whatever. 
just sucks. Like I, I fucking hate Hextall. I, I tweeted it today too. I was like, Hextall is a Flyers legend and he has so quickly become our mortal enemy. It's wild. Big old double barrel to Ron Hextall, dude. Fuck <laughs> that. In two trade deadlines, he gets Jeff Carter last year who lit it up and he's still lit it up all, lit it up all season. Killed my insight as Jeff Carter was my favorite flyer. And now he's actually making a team better. And it's the fucking biggest rival we've had over the past decade, two decades. I don't even know anymore. Like, it's just, ah, how could someone who resembled the Flyers logo as a player so well, just once he became a suit, he became a villain. Fuck that. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. To play a uh, devil's advocate, he is in it. People being like, oh, Kiss he never would have done this for the Flyers. <laughs> he, he's in a very different position where the Penguins are, you know, still in their, uh, what's the what's the term I'm looking for? They're still in their window of, of being competitive and being able and to And we win. weren't? When when we had Hexall as a yeah. GM? No. What? If you look at what? all the players on that team, the way those teams were constructed. Yeah, because he constructed them. But we were yeah, but, talking but, about earlier where we got rid of Shen, where we should have made a move to go all in. No, yeah, but that was Shen. that was a decision made by him and the and the management to go towards a rebuild and not the towards only... a being competitive. Whereas when you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang at the end of their careers, you want to push more towards uh being more, you know, going for the going for the cup run. Also, you have Brian Burke above you making more decisions. I was just saying, that's the it. only thing that yes. changes position is Brian Burke is making all the decisions and he's not doing a damn thing. Okay, but he's could very well be it. true. Fuck him. Andrew Kopp and a 2023 sixth to the <laughs> New York Rangers for two seconds. Uh, one of those seconds is um, conditional. If uh, the Rangers win two rounds and Kopp plays 50% of the games, that second becomes a first. And then uh, that first would be in 2022. But if that remains a second in 2022, then the Jets also get a second in 2023. That was very confusing. And then they also get a fifth in 2023 and Morgan Barron, a prospect. No relation, I don't think. To Justin Barron. That's such a fun contingency of a trade. It is interesting. It's a wild one. Yeah. I like when I like when teams get creative like that. I also I am a good. big fan of like end of the season bonuses for the weirdest shit. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm a huge <laughs> sucker for that. Sorry. I think it's a good trade for the Rangers because number one, I think Andrew Kopp's a pretty good player and he's definitely resignable after this year. Um, and and again, I don't I don't think the Rangers are going two rounds, so it's going to be two seconds. So they're not getting rid of a first, but not bad. I'd say it's a pretty good move. It's it's Man, a small move instead of going all in. They're just you know grabbing a piece that could help a little bit right now and hopefully down the line. The, the East is looking pretty beefy. I mean, I know that the, the Rangers probably won't make it far, but I mean, there's some good, there's some good depth uh, signings around the East right now. You're it's gonna crazy, need, man. Yeah, you need depth in the playoffs. It's crazy. We haven't experienced that because we simply just haven't, <laughs> we haven't. haven't been in the playoffs. Dale Weiss was up there, though. It's a good depth signing. Where? Oh, that's that's good. a good depth signing. Why are we bringing up Dale Weiss right now? He, uh, I don't know. Wants to highlight him as a good depth signing. I don't know a ton about Cop. Is he going to be like a third, third line guy, third line I wing? Would say third. Middle, middle sixer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think he's got like somewhere around thirty points in fifty something games. Not terrible. So that's like great. I know he's a big boy. He's physical. So. 
you know, the Rangers really filling out that bottom six yeah. with physical guys. Yeah. Uh, All because of I Tom just want, Wilson. I kind of want to go back to Pittsburgh for a hot second because sure. we were kind of shitting on Hextall a little bit. Do we think that's going to happen with Danny Briere? That's the one thought that crossed my mind, and I, I, I would be so upset if something like that happened. Before like Danny it Bre- even happens? <laughs> Well, you got to talk about it right now because, like, he is a Flyers legend. What happens if he has a horrible tenure as GM oh, and he eventually saying. takes it over? And then we start hating him, even though he's done so much for this team when he was playing here. That's the one fear I have about it. The issue is if it would be if he was a horrible GM and then he went and, and GM'd the Penguins and made good deals. Well, no, <laughs> I think what I think what DG is saying is like literally just what if he like what if he does what Ron Hextall did here? Like literally just ruin every single ruin us. He had. Like, ruin us like, and go somewhere I don't, else like they're two complete different people so i think hextall had like an airhead as soon as he walked into the door like because he's coming off of two cups from la when he came over as the assistant gm and i don't know I, like yeah briere doesn't strike me as arrogant i think that already puts him far enough i think he's smarter than hextall so yeah i'd agree I there. see yeah i see briere as being more inclusive in terms of getting opinions from his scouts and and other people in management and not you know, wanting to make all the decisions himself, especially, you know, coming in as an inexperienced GM. But I also see him in my mind as a better talent evaluator. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and start shitting on Briere before he even starts. But yeah, DG, I know, and I know you weren't hell, doing dude. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't shitting on Danny B. It's one of my everything. favorite flyers, but it's already th- a valid, it's a valid a question. Place. You, we were like, we're like in the basement of, of like depression, and you were about to put us in the cellar. You were about to go one floor below into the, yeah. into the, into the bomb shelter. I think depression is the fourth stage of grief, and I'm definitely still at that stage. I would say, is the basement so. the same thing as the cellar? Yes, well, no, because like a Pretty basement much. can have like a tunnel. <laughs> a basement is down. finished, I think a cellar is unfinished. A cellar has one, cell- but a bomb shelter can go deeper too. Thanks, see. bomb shelter is deep. I like that one. Yeah, we're in the <laughs> you you guys uh, have anything more on any of these deals or any deals that I didn't mention or you want to head over to po- uh, Domi real quick. I, I think Domi to Carolina is a cool little deal. Yeah. Did you I, uh, I, see all the details? Yeah, but way too confusing for me. So. <laughs> too complicated for Coots's mind. Too many your strengths. It's like four five different teams retaining some salary somehow. I don't know. I think it was just three. Yeah. Team, three like team that. deal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I was uh, Florida, CBJ, and Carolina. I don't really know who went where, but there were some prospects involved going to. Uh, oh, Monahan was that? Was Monahan on Florida, and they traded him? Monahan? Oh no, Bennett. Monahan. Bennett. Bennett. Sorry, no, they Bennett. didn't trade Bennett. What? Whatever. I don't know. Some prospects. <laughs> some young kids I've never heard of. Dude, I can't wait to watch hockey tomorrow. Wow, some good trades. The Flyers play huge... tomorrow. They play uh, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Dude, I said Tippett gets his first goal. The the playoff, the timing for hockey playoffs is so perfect because like it's nice and light out when puck drops still, the sun's out. There's just good vibes all the way around. We're about to enter in like a very good uh, time in sports. It's my favorite time of sports for the year. So I'm very excited. Highlighted by the NHL playoffs. Well, that was a really cool story, Johnny. But let's move into the post game. Uh, our buddy, Jerry Mayhew, placed on waivers Gary? and picked up by the Anaheim Ducks. What are, what are your thoughts? 
I don't want to think, tell you my thoughts because you're an asshole. I think it's kind of funny because we kind of were talking about earlier in the year how like Mayhew kind of looks like G on the ice and like when G like was inevitably going to get traded. We, we knew it for months. Uh, we were like, oh, at least we'll still have Jerry. We can just pretend that's Drew out there. And of course, he's gone in the same couple of days that G leaves. So that's kind of depressing. no fun for us. We're not allowed to have any any single no. <laughs> I'm actually I'm, happy, dude. My heart would fucking stop if I thought she was still on the ice. No, yeah, dude. I, I, this, yeah, I mean, this just doesn't make sense to me, really. I mean, he didn't make that much money. It wasn't a cat move. You had other people very more or much more capable of getting waived than him because he was actually like looking good and producing. It's just it's it's he slowed down a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, but like he was still noticeable. He still fly. He was still flying on the ice. Like you might as well just keep him. Like fucking, let him play. Like let him play with it. I think he's. I believe he's twenty nine years old. And like my thing with this whole situation is, we have all these young players and prospects that we want to play right now. Like we have like Tip and Frost who we want to play. Brown has been great on the fourth line. Same thing with McEwen. Like we have all these players that fit in our lineup and these prospects coming up and Forrester um all those other guys that like Mayhew he's not going to fit in this team so like why not give him a chance to go play for a different team and earn a spot in the top nine I'm I'm not confused by why we waived him that's completely fine I'm confused why Anaheim picked him up unless like Anaheim's uh affiliate is gonna is in like the AHL playoffs or something because Jerry was like wasn't he like the AHL well don't you have to or something don't you have to keep him on the NHL roster if you pick him up on waivers um, but if you you have to wave him again do you have to well, wave actually him i don't know i don't know i don't know how it works i don't know if you can drop him after you pick him up from waivers i think he has to stay on your nhl roster well it just doesn't make sense then unless <laughs> they knew they were trading a bunch of people and he had like people anaheim like, traded spots. a bunch of guys away so maybe they yeah. need a guy to fill out the roster for the rest of the year yeah whatever i'll, I'll miss gary for sure jerry <laughs> jerry uh yeah hey dg got one right <laughs> I was, What's his I face was just... from Parks and Rec? Gary. <laughs> what do you have? Six goals. He was close to to getting a uh, beating TK out there, <laughs> but he oh, didn't. Here we go. But he didn't. Another uh, Flyers related waving. Phil Myers waved by the Nashville Predators and cleared waivers. No one picked him up in his uh, two point five million dollar contract, which is a little hefty for the kid. But when you look at it. We got Ellis for nothing, basically, because Myers barely played and was now waived. Patrick immediately got like concussed again or whatever and has been out. And uh, who's the other guy? Uh, who was the other guy in the trade that Cody went from Glass. Vegas? Yeah, Cody Glass like hasn't played at all for Nashville either. So like, we're the only ones. I mean, granted, Ellis played five games and and got injured. He's got the games. brightest future. Yeah, so. we're, we're the only ones with something left from this deal, basically. It's kind of crazy because no less than a year ago, I'd say like maybe like six or seven months ago, we were having debates whether we wanted to trade Sanheim or Phil Myers. Ooh. And even Thank before that, God. even before that, we were having discussions about is like we just got a steal for Phil Myers at 2.5. We were thinking 3.54. AAV for him on a bridge deal, of course, granted. So doesn't really indicate his actual value, but like 
that's just crazy to me how short while ago we were considering that and people were like reluctant to give him up in a trade and it just turns out like this it's imagine great. how much more fucked this team would be if that were the case we're trade already Sanheim instead of, of myers holy thank, shit man thank god that nhl men just love right-handed defensemen who are tall and overvalue them because christ dude if Nashville Predators and the defensemen that they have churned out in their history cannot fix this kid, he is not an NHL player. Dude, remember that one blue line where like all six of the Nashville Pred, like no matter who they threw out there, it was like Boy, it was like, like Ryan Ellis, Suter, uh, Weber. Um, they had Jones, they had Ekholm, they had Ellis. There was one Yossi. more. Yossi. At that time. Yossi. Yossi, like, they, Jesus Christ! Look at that. Um, like, How is that the last one you re- you remember? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's on like he's on like a hundred. He's on a pace right now. Right I, now. Wanted, I wanted to remember the hard ones first, and I ended up the easy one. a defense factory for sure. Not anymore. Yeah, right. Not anymore. We miss anything, boys? Any last words? Love you, Drew. Yeah, Wake we all up, love baby. you, G. No matter what happens with Simmer, no matter what happens, I love you. Oh, what a clip. See him Thursday. All right, that wraps up this episode of Time I Skates. Please like, comment, and follow on Twitter and Instagram at Time I Skates Pod and listen anywhere you get your podcast. Please rate and review on Apple and Spotify. I'm Z for DG, for Johnny, for Cootsie. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.